If you are ever looking for a faster way to increase the scope of your leadership, this episode is for you. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast. We're so honored and glad that you're here with us for a great conversation on leadership. My name is David. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm here with Andy Wood. And Andy, this is your first episode since you turned 40. I officially have joined the club. You are. Is that the club for men? Like the, the di- dyeing your yes, hair? Yes, the and white stuff hair now? club. Like, which one are you going the old to man do? club. Well, now we're going to be able to tap in today into some of your wisdom and learnings over these past four yeah, decades. Yeah, all, all of a sudden when I crossed that line, there was just like this deposit of wisdom that wasn't there previously. Yeah, but now so, it's here. So old guys can still lead. That's what we want to say today. <laughs> God uses old guys like you. <laughs> yeah, he does. So, hey, we're going to jump in today. we got a great conversation around bi- uh, better thinking and bigger leadership. And Andy, we're in the Bay Area, and a lot of people are always asking that question, how do I scale? How do I grow? How do I you know, increase or get to that next level of leadership? Yeah, one of the languages that often is used, and we've talked about this several times in the podcast, is kind of how do you 10x the scope or the impact of what you do? And this conversation actually comes out of uh, some of my own reflections hmm. crossing that line from 39 to 40. And I, I had some time just to kind of look back over the last decade to say, what's different at 40 from 30? So I sat down with a pen and a journal and I tried to find 40 lessons or 40 ways that I'm different as a leader, as a person. And some of what we're going to talk about today, I I extracted five of them. They all pertain to our thinking and how our thinking influences our leadership and increases the scope of leadership. Yeah. So we're going to get in a lot on the thinking. And I love how you said you look back at when you were 30 when you're 40, because we have some listeners right now, part of our Echo Leadership Collective, who are hanging out with us. And some of you, I know you're in college, you're in your 20s right, right now. Some of you are in your 30s. We, we have people even even older and decades ahead of us. Right. Um, even and, older guys and yeah. gals than me. Yeah, absolutely. So we have this, I love this part, and, and I love what you're saying on you look back and how am I thinking differently? Yeah. And so listen, if you're a younger leader right now, you're in your 20s, we want to invite you to just lean in with this. Uh, wisdom says learn from those who are ahead of you and don't make their same mistakes or look at what they did well and let's jump in. So we're going to get ready to jump into this, man. Yeah, the other thing too has been great is just uh, the continued conversation with people who are part of our tribe. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, we're grateful for you who have liked and shared and let people know about this because these conversations really do help us all get better. Yeah, so be sure to like, subscribe, share. Uh, If you share it on social media, be sure to tag, you can tag Echo Church or you can tag at Pastor Andy Wood. We'd love to be able to know, to see you, uh, to even be able to jump in the conversation with you. And to get the notes for today, you can go to echo.church slash leadership podcast. You'll see it right down here. You can go to that URL, put in your email. We'll make sure you keep up to date and we'll send you those notes so you can get the most out of this session. Great. Let's start at the top. I have five of these. The first one is to increase your awareness of your unique wiring. Hmm. So you're going to jump in with your wiring. So what, what have you learned over the past four? When you look back, what was that Progression yeah, what I would you. say, especially when you start off in leadership, the, the funnel is kind of wide. So you do a lot of things. And when you're 20, you don't know really who you are and how you're wired. Now, there are a few people that have that clarity at 20, but not very many. And sometimes we can say a lot of no's too early in leadership. But over time, as you get further and further down the road, you need to increase the clarity and the focus of what you do, of who you are, of what you're good at, what you're not good at. 
And I would say from 40 to 30, I have a lot more clarity on that. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes it a lot easier to say no to things that are not in the wiring that God has given to me. And it makes it a lot easier to empower people who are different than me. What would you say for some of our, our listeners who are younger, and you're talking about the unique wiring. I love this. Um, sometimes when we're young, we like to go, oh, I'm not real passionate about that. Right. Uh, when we're given things from our boss or manager, and some managers right now who are older are saying, yeah, absolutely, talk to this. Yeah, go pick up a mop. And So, so I'd like for you to do two things on this unique wiring. One, can you talk to us about, talk to the 20-year-old. Yeah. For a second. And then talk to the older generation about how we help them in this yeah, I would frame the I'd frame the whole conversation in awareness. So that the more aware you are, the easier it is for you to not get in the way as a leader. So a lot of leadership is making space and getting out of the way. So, you, you know, you're casting vision, you're empowering people, and you're trying not to be the bottleneck, whether it's in ministry to what God is doing and your business to the mission and a lot of that flows out of self-awareness. And when it comes to self-awareness, I would break it down on two sides. I would break it down your capacity, um, your unique calling, and then your character. And awareness on all three of those is really important. When you're in your 20s, 20s are really a season for training. And you're trying to lay the foundation for your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So in your 20s, you're, you may say no a lot. But you're saying no to things that are affecting your character the wrong way. Hmm. So you really want to dial in the foundation of my character, laying a foundation for the next 30, 40 years of leadership. Uh, I would say things like humility and ten tenacious teachability and a willingness to do whatever it takes and sacrifice, all of those need to be built in at a younger age, which means that you're going to have to do some things outside of your passion you're going to have to do some things outside of your wiring to clarify your passion and to clarify your wiring. But if you try to do that too early, number one, you're, you're going to shortchange your character development. Mm -hmm. And number two, you're going, to, you're going to lose a lot of opportunity that would come as you develop relationships and you network and you win favor with your supervisors. So saying no to the right thing mm -hmm. is what's important. Let me ask you this. So as somebody is... Uh going through their 20s, obviously, I love that part where you said character is really what matters. You're forming the character that's going to sustain you right. over the upcoming decades. But as you think about your unique wiring, is there, like, do you feel like there is a, any type of sweet spot, even for you? It's like when you really started to come into, I'm understanding who I am. Yeah. And I, I think that you'll continue for decades to come to refine that. But was there a certain point where about five years into leadership or some kind of point where it's like, I'm really understanding more of my unique wiring. There's several things I would say that has helped, that have helped me. Um, some of it is just observing, like, for example, sometimes I'll give somebody something that I hate and it just drives me crazy. Like Monica, who is on our team and works in my office, loves administration I hate it. We Every Monday we have a meeting. We go through all the different things that need to get done for the week. And uh, I say it, it's, it's like a dentist appointment. You know, here's like you, you go get your teeth cleaned and you, you got to do it. Uh, but I, I, the whole time I'm like, oh, my gosh, just a lot of detail. It's not something I'm good at. There have been several times where I've said to Monica, like, man, I'm so sorry for giving you all this. And she's like, oh, no, this is the stuff I love. And so the thing that I hate somebody else loves mm -hmm. 
And seeing that throughout the course of the last decade, sometimes I would be trying to kill myself to get better at something that I, I'm, I hate mm. when there's somebody else right around me that excels in the thing that drains me. They're, they're energized by what takes energy away from me. So asking the question, what drains me and what fuels me is one key question. What, what builds energy, what builds vitality and v even vibrancy and excitement? Mm -hmm. And then what mm -hmm. are the things that over time they, they just drain your bucket? The other aspect is there are some things that you're bad at. There's some things that you're okay at. There's some things that you're good at. And then there's some things that you're great at. Mm -hmm. And over time, you're shifting more into the things that you're great at. Now, you may think you're great at something, but other people don't think you're great. So greatness is not, is not necessarily defined by your hobby. It's defined by what you're excellent at. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say that you shift over time into a greater percentage. And I would want each decade to be closer to a high percentage of things that I'm great at. There are things that you never get past that you have to do that are a part of your job, but the percentage of your time shrinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that processing around like what fuels you, what drains you, and when you're moving into great. And there's a part of humility that this requires if we're going to step into our unique wiring because you have to ask other people, mm -hmm. hey, am I as good at this as I think? Yeah. Because if you don't, you have a blind spot. So maybe that's a great takeaway for somebody, especially a younger leader. Go ask some people around you, what do you see that I really excel at and what do, am I not doing good at and am I good at this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get ready for that. And then I, I would say even speaking to people that are beyond me mm -hmm. in my age, like mid 40s, 50s, that sometimes we get stuck because what has happened is that we've continued to take on more without letting go of things in the past. Hmm. And now you, you can't you can't take on what's up here because you're still holding on to what's down here. So the old axiom, you got to give up to go up is it's true. Like you, in order to have your hands free for the next level, you have to let go of the last level. And I would just say every season of leadership, I have to be wrestling through what are the things I need to be let, letting go of so that somebody else can do them so that I can grow with the organization and grow into who God's mm -hmm. made me to be. Uh, on this, tell us about what some of the leaders who are ahead of you did to help you step into understanding your unique wiring? Oh, that's a great question. So mentors that have helped me discern. Mm -hmm. I would say I've had a number of mentors come alongside and say, hey, Andy, I've, I see this in you. When you do this, you, you knock it out of the park. This is right in your sweet spot. Um, teaching on leadership is one that I've had you know, probably dozens of mentors after they, you know, I'd get, get 20 minutes to talk about building teams or some mm -hmm. aspect of leadership. And then somebody would come afterwards and a mentor would say, Hey, Andy, that's, you're gifted in that area. I would say those conversations that are the I see in you conversations mm -hmm. are what have, they've lifted the lid for me to say, Oh, maybe God really has wired me. And it's not just like, Oh, you're, you're good at that, but it's like, oh, when you said that, or when you put it that way, I'd never thought of it that way, and now I'm now I've been thinking about that for a month or two months, and it's people who are beyond me in leadership. Those conversations just opened my eyes to 
hey, I, God's given me a gift. I need to lean into that. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this then. I think a lot of people want to know their unique wiring. We see books about it all the time. Yeah. Even strength, the Strength Finder movement came out, said, do what's in your strengths. What weight, at, at discovering your unique wiring, what weight would you put on a personality test to a mentor in that ICNU conversation to trying things? Like, if you were going to say, hey, here's really where I think I got the most bang for the buck, mm-hmm. if you will. Which one do you feel like helped the most to get to your unique wiring? Probably the energy aspect of it. So what what fuels me, what drains me, I think mm-hmm. is the is the purest litmus litmus test. There <laughs> it's you go. So hard to say. It is. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say there are just certain things that I think to myself: if I had to do this the rest of my life, I could not do it. Mm-hmm. And if I got to do this. The rest of my life, I'd wake up every day excited about going to work. There are seasons where you have a bunch of things you have to deal with within your calling that you know it's a season. Mm-hmm. So you you hit a crisis and you might say, well, that is not something in my sweet spot, but it's under my role and responsibility. But those are almost always crisis moments. But if I'm living in that crisis and I'm over time, my energy is going down and I'm talking six, nine, 12, 18 months, and I'm in a repetitive pattern, mm-hmm. that's where I, I need to really analyze and say, okay, should I be doing this thing that is taking the life out of me, knowing that the thing that is taking the life out of me would fuel somebody else? Mm. That's really good. Uh, and I think that helps us set up for our next point we're yeah. about to go into. So as a recap, if we're going to increase your awareness of your unique wiring, one, go back and just analyze what energizes you. Maybe you need to ask somebody else, what do you see that I'm doing great? So if you have a supervisor, this is a great question mm-hmm. to ask your supervisor, maybe even some of your peers, um, and ask them, what, what, am I really good at this? Um, and maybe take some time to analyze that. And then, Yeah, let me, let me say one other thing, too, why I think this is so important for scaling mm-hmm. and like increasing the scope of your leadership. Because you, you are excellent at some things, Mm. but you're not excellent at everything. Yeah. And if you are functioning in the things that you are mediocre at, you will attract mediocrity. But if you are functioning in the things that you are great at, you will attract greatness. So you will find people who are great at things that you're not great at. Or you could create a culture of mediocrity where everybody's doing things that they're mediocre at. And that creates a mediocre movement, a mediocre organization. So that's where this is. This becomes really vital. Is if the, the more you're excellent, you're creating a culture of excellence. I think we need to hit the uh, the rewind on that. So if right now, if you're listening to this, just look down at that 15 or 30 second little button backwards and listen to that again, because that's what we want. Nobody wants to be in a mediocre organization. Right. Nobody starts off as a leader and says, "Hey, you know what? I think I'd like to be just about average or subpar." Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, and no. when you when you get that dialed in, you create a winning team, you create something that multiplies faster, mm-hmm. and you attract A-level talent. Well, you attract better talent because they go, cool, this is an environment. I get to be at my best. Right. And nobody wants to be a. And I don't have worst. to be a great musician to attract great musicians. I just have to be great at what I'm supposed to be great at. That's really good. All right. Well, we're going to get into our unique wiring. But number two, 
You ready to jump? Yeah, into this that one? this ties right into it, and it's empower others to be themselves. And the if I went down a list of all the things I'm really bad at, that our organization is really good at, there there's a long list, and it's because there are other people in the organization who are great, mm-hmm. like they're good. You know, Vivian on our team came from corporate. She's our CFO. You know, Felipe on our team builds great systems. You build teams and take hills. Like you, you have all these different aspects underneath. Will who leads our our podcast team and works. He's awesome at video and editing and creating an experience. All that is connected to the more I see in you mm-hmm. what's there and unleash that, the stronger our team's going to be as a whole. So you you don't need to be a balanced leader. Now you want to be strong in your character, but you don't, you don't need to be great at everything, but you do need great people. And the more you can look at somebody and say, I'm not trying to create them to be a 2.0 of me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to discern what's already there and figure out how as an organization we can unleash that person to become all that God's created them to be. That's when you get a diversity of gifts that allows an organization to scale. So when you think about a younger leader, like maybe they're starting a business or a church or even like a manager mm-hmm. on a team um, in some, one of our tech companies here in the area, do you feel like the barrier for someone saying, okay, I want to empower people to be themselves. I want to have a diversity of people. Is it usually more around awareness or around insecurity? Mm. coming from the leader who's empowering people. Is that what you're saying? The leader, if it's a barrier for that leader to empower people to be themselves, Mm -hmm. is it usually coming from a lack of awareness that the leader has? So if I have a team that's all me, is Mm -hmm. it because I can't see that I'm missing? Mm -hmm. Or is it an insecurity? Like I feel like I have to have, everybody has to be this way or we're not together. It seems to me like it'd be hard to kind of separate those two from one another. Like it, you know, insecurity does tend to diminish our awareness mm-hmm. of what is in other people because we're we're trying to protect our own territory. the The awareness aspect of it is some of it flows out of the clarity of knowing what you're trying to build. So when I have a, a clear vision of, okay, this is where we're going for the next three to five years, when I find somebody and I'm you know working with them. I can kind of discern, okay, here's where this person's unique wiring fits into that bigger vision. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying, okay, well, you're wired this way. You just go off and do whatever you want to do. Let us give money and resources and energy. We're saying, no, this is the bigger vision. And how do I let this person be fully empowered underneath the bigger vision? And at times there are people that need to be empowered to do something other than work in our organization because there's not a a place for them to to be who they are yeah. and who God's made them to be. Yeah. And we can still be partners. So for a, a great example of this would be um, Philip Pattison, who is a part of our, our team. He's still connected to our church, but he had a vision to start an organization called Foster the Bay. Well, we partnered with him in that, but he didn't stay full-time on our staff, and we, we wanted to get behind him, mm-hmm. but we, we didn't have the resources to say, well, you can do that full-time. So now he's flourishing, and we're still a part of it, but he's not constrained by our environment. So I would say a leader has to genuinely 
in their heart want to help other people succeed. Mm. And when they do, then you're not looking around saying, okay, well, how do I, how do I make sure I get the credit? It's, it's more of a win if I can help somebody else succeed. And the more people I help succeed, actually the more success, more successful I'm going to be as a leader. Yeah. And I, I would say it flows from mindset and it flows from heart attitude. And if I'm not confident in who God's made me to be, how God's wired me, then I'll constantly feel like I need to impress everybody with how I'm great at everything versus like, well, no, I can actually create a culture where I'm, everybody's flourishing in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. What would you say, or how would you coach a leader to see if it's their insecurity that's holding back their ability to empower others? And mm-hmm. how would you kind of coach them through that? When somebody else does something better than you, how do you respond? Hmm. And like, I, in, like inside or outside? I, I, would, I would take the inside out of it. I would mm-hmm. I would drop the inside because there I mean we all have to deal with our own like oh gosh that person just did better than I can do that job. Yeah. But can you can you move past that to celebrate that person hmm. verbally in the organization to their face and in front of others? So what is the what's the next conversation? Even though mm-hmm. you might feel a tinge of insecurity in your heart, don't let it hit your face. And don't let it hit your lips. It might hit your heart, but coach yourself with your face and with your words and let mm. that change the condition of your heart. So it's oh so I love this part because I think this I think this really does matter for leaders in this part because it's everybody at every level has some kind of an insecurity. Yeah. They absolutely. feel it somewhere. You see people that I see people that speak and I'm like, oh wow, that person spoke a lot better than I did. I I can. Yeah, and I I just have to be like, that's okay. It doesn't doesn't mean that they should be doing my job because they can speak better than me. Well, I I like it because it's it's in some ways it's I'm temptation. In other words, to do right. the wrong thing is always around somewhere. We all feel it, but it's the action that is actually what gets you in trouble. So we all feel the insecurity, but what you're saying is it's the action. How do I praise them? What do I say? What do I do? Can I move past this? Can I promote this person? Can I applaud this person? Can I be okay with taking the back seat and letting them stand in front and do the presentation or whatever that may be? Yeah, like a- and here's how I coach myself through this. So if somebody is like on a stage and they do a great job and I feel that tinge of insecurity inside yeah. of me, I remember there's a story in the Bible of a guy named Saul. And Saul, he got insecure when King David came along and his insecurity removed or capped his leadership. And I think to myself, I don't want to be a Saul. Hmm. I want to be a King David. I don't want to be yesterday's leader. And my insecurity could be the thing that makes me yesterday's leader. I want to be a leader that not only leads well today, but propels future generations forward. And I see that hard attitude as a way that if I can celebrate others, it allows everything that I'm leading to flourish so I have to deal with that mm-hmm. quickly, like not play around with it, not give it a second thought, not add fuel to it. Like, no, that's straight from the pit of hell, and it has the power to destroy everything that my leadership touches, and I will not allow that to, to creep into my heart and my mind. I think that this is really key right here, because what you're saying, we're t- that we titled this Better Thinking, Bigger Leadership. The better thinking is to be able to spot what is the lie that's going to cap my bigger leadership? Yeah. 
So, and you said the part, I don't want to be yesterday's leader. I don't want to let pride get in the way. I don't want to let insecurity get in the way. So we have to address it and we have to shift and change our thinking around it. Mm -hmm. And that is what allows us to go bigger leadership or else that does become our lid. Yeah. And one of the, one of the axioms that's been super helpful that I heard a long time ago was uh, somebody was speaking and they said, my, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And that, belief that yeah. it's a greater it's a greater win if I can help somebody else succeed. Well, I mean, that is the question. Do you want to be an addition leader or a multiplication leader? Right. Because if my fr- if the fruit is growing in other people's trees, then you're multiplying what you're able to get done mm-hmm. in your company, in your church, in your business, wherever it is. Yeah. So we talked about increasing your awareness of your unique wiring empowering others to be themselves. So that's getting them into their unique wiring, which starts to even hit on what Jim Collins said on get the right people on the bus and then get the right seats and you'll get to the right place. Yeah, let it rip. And then three, we have give more energy to helping others succeed. So this picks up right where we were. were, Yeah. And the question I have to wrestle through is, am I more focused on my success or the success of others? Hmm. And that question to really think through with my schedule at the end of a day, what did I give my energy to? And having that mindset of my greatest contribution is when I'm helping others grow and development and develop, everything has more capacity. So one of the questions a lot of people have, um, it doesn't even matter what sector you work in. If you are working in a job a lot of people are asking, what is my pathway? What's mm-hmm. my promotion points? So when you're talking to like a manager in a tech company right now mm-hmm. or any even baseline employee, how would you begin to say this? Like, How does this fit into them trying to get themselves promoted? Because I've heard and been in conversations with people in our church, they're in tech, they're like, well, if I don't, promote myself if i don't always talk about what i'm doing if i don't i i then i'll never get the promotion yeah so does this destroy that way of thinking are you issuing a new paradigm for people yeah i would i would say there there's a verse in the bible that says humble yourself under the mighty hand of the lord and in due time he will lift you up so if i lift myself up I have to work to keep myself at whatever level I lifted myself to. But if God lifts me up and I humble myself, then I'm held up not by my own power. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say that that mindset is not, and maybe it will get you more money. Maybe it will get you more promotions. But in terms of living a fruitful life, a life that truly does impact, not just impress, but truly does impact mm. people's lives, that I just, I couldn't adopt that. I'd have to go to an organization that was more healthy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that, it, and for a lot of our listeners who are working in um, tech or secular marketplace jobs, this is the environment they're in. Right. And what we're saying right here, when I give all this energy to helping others succeed, it kind of flies countercultural to what you may be experiencing even in your workplace. Yeah, okay, here's another, here's another thing that just hit me. Would you rather be successful quickly or would you rather be successful permanently? 
Like, would you rather immediately have success mm-hmm. and then pff, fall down? Or would you rather have a slower build that stays longer? I'd rather have a slower build that stays longer. And you'll, you'll be found out if you do it the right way yeah. eventually. Well, and I think that everybody can think back right now to your greatest boss or your greatest manager. And I guarantee you weren't like, oh, man, the person who's always trying to promote themselves. They, they were the best. No, it was the person who helped you get better, grow, get successful, and you're more loyal to that person than anybody. Yeah, and this, this is a force multiplier in terms of culture. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, I've, I, it's, you notice in our culture, if you give somebody credit, nine times out of ten, what will that person do? They'll say, oh, let me tell you about so-and-so who helped me with da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's our culture. Yeah. And we've built it in. And I I would say that when you build that into the culture, it just attracts people that don't really care about getting the credit. They just want to make a difference. And again, that's what I think that that's what helps scale an organization because you you have more people that are high capacity, high character leaders, mm-hmm. and you can sustain what you've built with character and the grace of God. Yeah. And I think even Jim Collins, we referenced good to great just a second ago, but his first chapter on the level five leader gets into a lot of this. Yeah. Humility was a key component of the level five leader. Mm-hmm. So it's good, man. Yeah. Anything else you would add on this for takeaways or for our listeners to really wrestle with? I would say the internal journey on this is really important. Mm-hmm. And just learning there are times where you got to keep your mouth shut. Like you, maybe you did more than somebody else and you know that that person would not have succeeded without your contribution. But you just keep it, keep it between you and God and you, or you and you if you're, you don't believe in God, but just keep it internal because that, that internal battle, like we talked about, when you see somebody else who does, but if somebody else takes credit for something, it's okay if they get the credit, you know, and just setting in that allows you to lead at a higher level. Awesome. Hey, we're going to jump in now to point number four, which I think is going to be a big one for a lot of leaders because yeah. it's a cap for a lot of people. Totally agree. And it's um, let your past shape you but don't let it define you. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke down. I broke this down into several different areas. Yeah. So I, I think when we jump into this, we work in a church. A lot of people end up here, and they come to church for the first time on attend on a Sunday because of their past. Right. So everybody has one. So let's jump into this because I think this is the this is really an, even for our listeners. I mean, this is where it hits into the heart mm-hmm. a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I, I broke it down into three categories and there's no magic to it. I just experientially put wounds, failures, and successes. So it's easy to get stuck in any of those three. L- let's just talk about wounds for a, a yeah. moment. Yeah. We all have been wounded. Maybe it was by a parent. Maybe it was by a teacher. Maybe it was by a former boss. And a lot of the culture narrative right now is to pick up this victim mentality. I've been wounded. Somebody hurt me. Well, you, you don't live victoriously with a victim mentality. So I have to, when I am wounded, let go and make a decision in my heart. Am I going to carry this or am I going to release it? 
And when I carry my past wounds, I'm wounding myself rather than the person that wounded me. A lot of times we think, well, if I carry it and hang on to it, then that person's going to be punished because I'm still mad at them. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I do that, it's restricting my leadership. Bitterness is a root that is toxic in culture, in a leader. So I want to, you know, for me personally, this connects to my faith yeah. and Jesus and I, the belief that he died on a cross for my sins and my brokenness and the forgiveness that I have because of his death and his resurrection, that there's so many wounds I've given to other people because of my imperfections. And most of them are unintentional uh, that I may not even realize that I did. But if I can, if I can realize how much I've been forgiven, how much mercy I've received, it makes it a lot easier for me in leadership to give forgiveness and mercy to other people. And the more we release and let go, that release makes space for higher levels of leadership. And you're not trying to give all your energy to carry something from your past mm -hmm. into the future with you. I would say that that probably for me personally is one that is most potent in, in this whole area. Is there anything that you've done that has helped you walk out of maybe a wound? Yeah, I, th I think about how much mercy I have received from God. I mean, I, I can't have the conversation without getting spiritual, but I think about how much grace I've been given and how many, peop how, how many people in my life have extended mercy to me or been kind to me when I didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier for me. I have to rehash how much grace I need to extend grace to other people. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done anything like counseling or taken other steps oh, to yeah. help you unwork some wounds? Yeah, too? yeah, I have I've, a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So then, on that, maybe from your your own personal journey, like there's some listeners right now who they have some wounds that are there that are impacting their marriage, their parenting, their leadership. Um, but maybe counseling, maybe they've never done counseling. Uh, uh, counseling is great if the counselor is great. <laughs> that makes a difference. Yeah. People so, matter. Yeah, and I, would, I wouldn't... Is it their unique wiring or not? Yeah, That's exactly. what we're learning on here. And I think within a few appointments, you know if somebody's a, a good yeah. counselor, great counselor, average. And I've heard this whole thing like, well, you got to trust the process, da-da-da-da. But within a few... You know, with it, if you hire a trainer within a few appointments, you should know if this is a good trainer or not. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I one insight on therapy that is probably the most potent insight around all of this that has been super helpful for me is I get to decide what frame I put around my pain. Hmm. And if I'm gonna put the the victim frame around my pain. Yeah. I'm going to constantly look for things that make me more of a victim. But if I if I see every situation that happens to me as fuel to form me and shape me and make me a better man and a better leader, mm -hmm. it changes my frame on my pain. And it gives purpose to my pain. And I, for me, that that insight, like there, there was one time I was talking to a therapist and I was talking about some of this and when this happened to me, da, 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 and he challenged me on that victim mentality and getting out of that. The faster you can get out of that, you do not have to play the victim card. Yeah. You can let that card go. 
And the quicker you can let that car go, the faster you can move and accelerate into higher levels of leadership because you're thinking and your heart changed. It's the victim to the victor. Yes. And we're going to, nope, this is not going to hold me down and we're going to move. That's a yeah. good, that was a good therapist. Yeah. That was just one insight. Changed, yeah. changed the game. I love it. So you have a couple other categories yeah, right it, here too. We, maybe we don't have quite as much time to spend on these, but I would say you, you failed at some things. I failed at some things. We all have had mistakes. Some of those were intentional. Some of those weren't intentional. Some of them bring regret high level some bring you know deep regret and it's easy to stay in that failure but if you look at your personal failures as an opportunity to get better nobody does anything new without failing nobody does anything great without failing uh, no successful person in leadership or parenting or marriage doesn't have a long list of failures the difference is they learned from their fail- failures and they got back up after them. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And so your failure is fuel. Your f- all of your failures are fuel for your future. That's a good axiom right there. Fuel for your future, man. Yeah, so l- putting that again, putting that frame on all of your failures w- yeah. is huge. And then also your success. So you, you can be successful up until a given point in your life, and what you thought was big is really small compared to what is possible yeah. through your life. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here at 40 thinking, okay, well, I want to celebrate what God's done, celebrate all the people that God's used in my life to get me to where I am. I want to look back and celebrate the gains that we've made. But at the same time, I want to, I want to not allow that success of my past to define what is possible in the future. So yeah. if, I, if I live in it too long, I put a lid on what's possible. Because you limit, are you saying because you limit your thinking to your past successes? Yes. Rather than, like we said earlier, we want to 10X it. Yeah, your your past success is a platform for yeah. the future of what is possible with your life. And if you, if you look at what's behind you and you're like, oh man, look what I did. Look how awesome that is. Da, da, yeah. da. Your eyes are just so fixed on things that are behind you that you're like, you should be moving on. Let's think of, let's think of what's next. Let's dream about the future. Let's, move forward rather than feeling so great about what we've already done in the past. Yeah. So all that stuff shapes you, but it shouldn't define you. And leaders who are walking around with a sense of faith and anticipation about the future without carrying a bunch of baggage from the past are the kind of people that propel multiplication uh, into the future. I love it. So the better thinking we're going to call is around reframing. Yeah. It's really reframing your past to not let it define you. So am I, so maybe better thinking right now, the takeaway for our listeners is sit down and go, is there any wound where I'm using it as a victim? Is it what emotions are stirred up when you're in a one-on-one, especially Mm -hmm. with your supervisor? What, uh, what is bringing you to lash out? Anything like that? Reframe that victim, victor. And then also look at your failures and successes and go, is the failures, are they fuel? Mm-hmm. And are the successes, are they limiting yeah. your, your future just thinking um, for bigger leadership? It's a great synopsis, man. Love it. All right. So All right last, we're going to finish it up. Last one is to find the fun in the ride. <laughs> and leaders have a tendency to focus on what's next. Mm-hmm. And it's easy when you're focused on what's next to miss the fun that is right in front of you. Yeah. So this is not contradicting what I just said, but it is it's being present in the joy 
that is right here in this moment, this season of leadership? Okay, so Andy Wood, 20 years old. Andy Wood, 30 years old. Andy Wood, 40. Like, did, were you thinking, I want to have fun in this? Or is at this 20, something that at 20, is shifting? Uh, 20 was all fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would say, like, th- 30, by the time I got to 30, you know, we already had two kids. Uh, we had started two churches already by that point. And the, some of the fun has been, had been like taken away. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the question is, did you, was this a process that you had to work through maybe even over the past decade to say, I'm going to find the joy and fun in this? Some of it has just been reflecting back and realizing how much I've missed that has been in front of me. And having some level of regret, like, man, I could have enjoyed this journey a lot more. Mm. And so I would say of all these five, this is aspirational as as much as any of them would be. But I just, I'm looking at this next decade of my life thinking, I want to enjoy this a lot more. Like there's so many great things that I'm getting to be a part of. I have so many Insta-worthy moments that never make it to Instagram because I'm like, there's so many great things I get to experience with yeah. my life and ministry and family and trying to be in those moments to say, there are a lot of people that like my life is their dream. My life is what they're, they're wishing for. So enjoy it. Yeah. And everybody likes a happy leader. Everybody wants to be around a happy leader and that magnetic having fun, laughing, not taking yourself too seriously, enjoying the ride is is scalable. Like it's it is a it is a cultural aspect of leadership that removes some of the pressure that prevents people from flourishing. Mm-hmm. When everybody's stressed, it's you know, we're all it, there there's no room to play and have fun, then it squashes creativity and limits what is really possible mm-hmm. in the organization or on the team. So let me, to bring us back to where we, we just talked about, because I think that this could be really helpful if you're good sharing, mm-hmm. what are some of your regret moments? Because I noticed even when we were talking, I mean, for people who are listening audio, you had a sense of, a, there was an emotion in your face mm-hmm. when you, I could see that when you thought of that. So for some of our younger listeners, especially, yeah, what are those regret moments that you look back and you're like, man, I, I wish I would have mm-hmm. taken that joy. Some of it is just always like thinking about what's next. And I could have like a great day or we could have a great day. You know, let's say we pushed and planned and prepared this awesome big event for the church and it came off and people's lives were changed and it was amazing. Before that day is over, I'm already, I'm already on to what's next. Mm-hmm. And some of that is good because it, it's helping our, it's helping me, it's helping us not get stuck. But I would say the downside of that is in those moments to, to give myself like a 24-hour period of time, at least maybe 48, just to stop and be like, wow, that was amazing. That's that was pretty cool. I got to work with some awesome people. God showed up, exceeded my expectation, and to let myself enjoy that. I would also say in parenting that this is true, that you're always. I feel like I'm always so mindful of like certain things that my kids deal with 
and I play out the trajectory of those things. And I'm like, man, if they, if they do this for another 10 years and this gets worse and da, 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 when in reality, some of the things that my kids struggle with, especially as teenagers, most of my good friends who are great leaders and great men of God, and they struggle with a lot of the same challenges my teenage kids, and I, I struggle with a lot of the same things that they struggle with. So I can be so hyper-focused on fixing that problem rather than just being like, oh, you know what? That I can, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to love them. I'm going to walk alongside them, and I'm going to enjoy this season. And probably mm-hmm. that would actually make a bigger difference than me hyper-focusing on the thing in them that needs to change and could ruin their life if it doesn't. Yeah. Even though it's counterintuitive, the being with them and enjoying them helps more than my hyper focus on it. Mm-hmm. I could give I could give more lists. More. So if there was if there was one piece of advice on this topic that you wish a mentor would have given you. Well, I do think mentors have given it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I just haven't listened. Uh, I would just Okay, say, then what was the advice that you wish you would have listened to? Just make space to celebrate. And then when you're in a moment that is a great moment, try for a bit to push everything out and be fully present to that moment. So if you're getting to be on a great team or you're planning or, and then the other would be train your eyes to find the good first. Hmm. So before you go to the thing that needs to be fixed, that's broken or dealt with, We'll get there, but train your eyes to see and think about what's great. So find the, find the gains prior to finding the gaps. Mm-hmm. Leaders find gaps. They, they help fill those gaps. They come up with sister, system structures, processes, and goals and objectives. But before you go there, first build on your wins and celebrate the gains that you've made. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you'll get to the, to the gap that exists. So picking up with that. What for like a a leader who's listening and we're talking about better thinking, bigger leadership, and now they're like, get the fun and the ride. Yeah. Like if they're thinking, okay, how does this help increase the scope of my leadership? Mm -hmm. Give me bigger leadership. What role would you say finding the fun and the ride? How does that correlate into I'm increasing my leadership scope? Some of it is opportunity cost. So for example, let's say that you, you work with great people, but you all, you're always like driving them insane. Eventually you'll drive them away. If you're driving them insane, eventually you'll drive them away. That's one place. So maybe you had somebody or we had somebody that could help move it forward. Yeah. But they, it was a miserable ride. So they're gone. You know, they, they stepped up. We talked earlier. It reminds us of a quote. We just in a conversation earlier and you said people don't quit organizations. They people quit, quit managers, managers. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that that would be one aspect of it. Um, I would also say longevity. So the more you're enjoying the ride, the longer you'll be able to stay on the ride. Mm-hmm. And then you're you bring more you bring more of you when you're enjoying it. So whatever whatever your full capacity is, if you're enjoying the ride, you bring a greater percentage of you to. Whatever task. And maybe that comes back to the energy. Yeah. In your unique wiring, you're enjoying it more, and it all kind of 
begins yeah, to come it, it, the other, I would say that the other aspect of this would be that winning teams attract winning people. Mm-hmm. And for example, one of the really practical things, I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's finding the wins in your day and just finding three spots that you won yeah. that day, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then in your mind, thinking through what are the three wins going to be. And you can do it as you're laying your head down at night, falling asleep, you can think of it. And you're going to you're going to sleep victoriously, you're waking up victoriously. And the more you do that, you, you go from victory to victory to victory to victory to victory. And then you take on more of that, I'm a winner, and then you attract more winners. Yeah. If you're always losing, everything always sucks, then you attract people who like misery. And yeah. that nobody wants to be a part of that kind of a organization or a team. Absolutely correct. Thank you for connecting that together. It's been a great conversation. It's been fun, man. Thanks, for, thanks for pulling all that out. Yeah, I'm really glad you turned 40. So now that we got some great content here, there there was a lot more on that list. There was, and we don't have we time don't for have it. the time, but it'll come out in the future. I'm yes. sure. Hey, thanks, David. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining with us today. We hope this has been a conversation that's helped you. Again, you can go to echo.church slash leadership podcast, download those notes. If you miss those, we'll send them straight to your email inbox when you just drop your email in right there. And then we, again, we feel really honored when you like, share, and subscribe uh, and let us know. Be sure to tag at Pastor Andy Wood or at Echo Church Live on, when you share it on social media. We'd love to know that so we can uh, join in the conversation with you. Thanks so much. We look forward to having you join with us in a future episode.